So this is the story of Abraham and Lot. And Abraham tells Lot, let's not there be any strife between your herdsmen and mine. The whole land is before us. Why don't you separate yourself from me? You go your way, I'll go mine. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. Now verse 10, Genesis 13, 10. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. And then we have this parenthetical statement. Oh, by the way, that was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself. Lot chose for himself. All the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated from each other. And Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. I want to speak to you today about a saint in Sin City. You may be seated. Well, I want you to meet this guy Lot today. But before you meet Lot, you have to meet Abraham because the story of Lot is tied to the story of Abraham. This past Wednesday night, I taught about Abraham and Sarah and the process of a dream, the birth, death, and supernatural fulfillment of a dream. If you couldn't be here, please watch the service that's archived online on our website and on our app. Abraham is the father of the faithful, He's known as a friend of God. He's a man that God trusted so much that in this story when God was ready to destroy the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, he asked himself a question. How can I hide the thing that I'm going to do from Abraham? Because I know that Abraham is going to command his children after him. They're going to keep the way of the Lord. Abraham is the kind of man that's going to be a godly father and grandfather. He's not just going to let anything roll in his family. He's going to create order and structure. He's going to command his children after him. I'm going to bless him. He's going to be a blessing. They're going to be a righteous family. And so I've got this secret of what I'm going to do in Sodom and Gomorrah, and I'm not going to hide it from Abraham. That's the kind of man that Abraham was. Abraham is called by God to leave his family. They've come out of Ur of the Chaldees. The Bible said that Abraham's father, Terah, and his descendants were idol worships on the other side of the Euphrates River in that sophisticated city of Ur of that day. But now Abraham Left And when he left, he took Lot, his nephew, with him. Abraham has no children. Sarah is barren. Lot's father is deceased. So we've got a childless uncle, a fatherless nephew, and they're kind of sticking together. It seems an implication that there is a working plan that if something happens to Abraham, that Lot will be his heir and you will get everything that Abraham has. 
Both of these men are ranchers. They raise livestock. They live in tents, but not like little, you know, worn out tents. They're, they become very wealthy men. The Bible says that both of them had flocks and herds and tents. And they became so prosperous. Abraham blessed. Lot is under his umbrella. And Lot becomes blessed because of Abraham. And the land was not able to bear them. There's so many cattle and sheep that they're overgrazing. And that's a terrible thing. There's a lot of the African Sahara that was developed because of overgrazing there, the sub-Sahara area, if I remember correctly. And so Abraham says, you know, this is really not good, Lot. We're both here together. You're increasing. I'm increasing. This is not really working out. And their herdsmen got into arguments about territory, about land. And Abraham says a lot, look, this, the whole land is before us. I mean, there's vast land. So Uncle Abraham says to nephew Lot, look, Lot, I'm going to give you first choice of whatever you want. You just look out here and whatever you pick, I'll take what's left over. If you go right, I'll go left. If you go left, I'll take the right side. Abraham knows that blessing is not contingent on strategy, intellect, or the lay of the land. Blessing is dependent on finding an alignment with God, getting in a place with God that his favor rests upon you. And no matter where you live or what circumstances are in your life, if God has favor on you, he can bless you whether you live in the well-watered plains or in the rocky hillside. So look, Lot, you get, you get first choice. We don't need to have strife. We're family. So Lot, the Bible says in Genesis 13, 10, that Lot lifts up his eyes and he sees the plain of Jordan that it was well watered. Remember, like the Garden of Eden before it was destroyed. In verse 11 and, you know, I emphasize this on purpose, that Lot shows for himself. Everything that we're going to learn in this story starts with a single selfish decision. Lot chose for himself. It's a decision, and it is a selfish decision. It is about what looks best to Lot. Now, to me, the choice was not about direction. It was not about hills or plains. It was not about mountainous areas or the cities and the suburbs and the well-watered plains of Jordan. It was really about not honoring the man who was the source of his blessing. Because what Lot really should have said was, no way. Are you kidding me? Uncle Abraham, you could have left me behind. But you loved me enough, cared about me enough, that you took me with you. And my blessing is a residual result of God's favor on your life. There's no way, Uncle Abraham, that I'm going to choose first. What Lot really should have said was, no, Uncle Abraham, you pick what you want 
and I'll take the leftovers. That's what he should have said. He should have deferred the decision to Abraham, but intrinsic in Lot's nature was selfishness. I'm going to look and see what's best for me. Lot chose for himself all the plains of Jordan. And the King James says that Lot aimed his tent towards Sodom. But various translations, when you study it, he actually began to move toward Sodom. He's out of the hill country. He's in the well-watered plains of Jordan. And they're inching their way out of the pasture land. Remember, he's a sheep herder, a cattle rancher. He's a Bedouin type person. They're not Bedouins because Bedouins are Arabs. But that's their, that's their heritage. They're on the move. They're finding grazing land. Wherever it is, that's where they go. But we see Lot moving, moving, moving. And now they're living in the suburbs. And then later, they're living in the city of Sodom. And all of that because of a single selfish decision. Verse 12 says that Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. And Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. So we got a rancher who needs to be living in the wide open spaces who has now settled down in Sin City. Now let's talk about Sin City. Verse 13. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Why in the world would you want to invite them in your living room? Oh, excuse me. Why in the world would you want to live there if you didn't have to? <clears throat> Sodom and Twin City Gomorrah, they're the epitome of Sin City. It's like the poster city for debauchery. Ezekiel writes about Sodom and says that in Sodom, here were their sins. Pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness. She didn't strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy, so it was all about me. You can see why selfish Lot chooses selfish Sodom because the culture is one that's hedonistic where it's all about gratification. We'll see that. It's all about whatever is pleasurable to me now. That's the sin of Sodom. And the Bible said in Ezekiel 60, 16, 50, they were haughty. They committed abomination before me. And the Lord said, so I took them away. In 2 Peter, now, now this city is so famous, and this story is so famous, that you read about it throughout the Bible. 2 Peter, the apostle Peter, the man who preached the message of salvation on the day of Pentecost, is writing a letter to Christians, talking to them and warning them about judgment. When it's time for judgment, you need to get out of Dodge or get out of Sodom, get out of Sin City. And the Bible says, the apostle Peter that the Lord turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them with an overthrow, making them an example to those that after that would live 
ungodly. In other words, that God's mercy has limitations, and eventually mercy runs out and judgment falls. It's like Sodom and Gomorrah, pardon me for saying it this way, went to the lake of fire before their time. They were so wicked that God brought a personal judgment or a social judgment on that area and sent them to hell way back then. That's wicked. We think we live in a bad world, but so far we're still here, thank God. Maybe it's because he's found a few righteous people here. That's what the Apostle Peter says about Sodom. Jude, that little tiny one-chapter book that warns us to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints, spoke about people who were rebellious and people who had no respect for authority. And he talks about the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, verse 7. The cities around them, in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Wow. And Lot aims his life there, takes his family there, and is now living there for a while. Now, Sodom is a wicked city that degenerated to the place where the most perverted sins were commonplace and accepted. We have our children in here today. Thank you to all our children's workers. So I'll kind of lean toward the King James today. But the sin of sodomy comes from this city. That's where the name was kind of coined. It is because the sin of sodomy in the city of Sodom was rampant. And Lot, by his own choice, is living in the neighborhood. Now, I know we live in a wicked world. And the Bible writes in Revelation about those who live where Satan's seat is. It is possible to be in the world and of the world. The Lord did not choose to remove us out of the world. He put us in the world to change the world. But that is not what is going on in Genesis. Things seem to have gone pretty well for Lot in business. But what he gained in his career, he lost in his family's convictions. He's successful, but he's not significant. Lot and his wife, I'll just call her Salty for short. (laughs) We don't really know Mrs. Lot's first name. They had two daughters. And they're engaged. You have to understand the custom of the day of betrothal. And they're called husbands, but they're not married yet. They're, they're, They're betrothed, engaged. So they stay there so long that that their daughters are comfortable with the culture of Sodom. Abraham is irritated by it. We'll read about him a little bit. But his daughters have kind of bought in. But the Bible says that, that Lot is vexed. He's miserable. And you wonder why he didn't just move out. But he didn't. And the Bible is very clear to say that Lot 
maintain his righteousness while he was living in Sodom. He's called a just man. He's called a righteous man. He is a saint living in Sin City. But he's tormented by the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. The Bible said in 2 Peter 2 and 7 and 8 that he's vexed by what he saw and by what he heard every day. It's really bothering him, but he doesn't move. He's still living there. I'll show you these verses when God turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them to destruction, making them an example to those afterward who would live ungodly and delivered righteous lot. Now, I don't want to believe that he's righteous, but I believe the Bible. Who is oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Can you imagine? He's on his way to go to the hardware store to buy some equipment for the ranch. And he looks and sees what's going on all around him. And it's like a dagger in his heart. He sees debauchery everywhere. He sees the poor and needy being neglected. He sees the opulent lifestyle. He sees the abundance of idleness and the fullness of bread. And, and then he sees not just those symptoms of the culture, but he sees the underbelly of it all, all of the wickedness of Sodom. But he doesn't move. He is a saint who chose to live in Sin City. And we go back and we look at that first directional decision where Uncle Abraham says, Lot, you choose first. And Lot looks and he sees something that is attractive to him. And now we're watching this story unfold, a single selfish decision. Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. He sees it. He camps near it. Now he moves there and his family is entrenched in Sodom and they love it and they don't want to leave it. Lot's not caved into culture. But what about Mrs. Lot, Salty? What about Lot and Mrs. Lot's two girls? They're, they're going to get married to men who live in Sodom. And of course, there is also the sin that is all around them, that they just can't ignore. I, I don't understand it. I don't understand why a man with two virgin daughters would want to live in a place like this. But, but I, I've thought about Lot. You know, Uncle Abraham, he's living up in this scrubby hill country. There's no malls up there. There's no nail salons up there. There's no sophisticated schools. There's no sports programs. There's no real culture up in the hill country where Uncle Abraham lives. But down in Sodom, man, they've got it all. And they like it. And they've got lots of free time and lots of prosperity. Now, my message today is not about the city you live in, but it's about the climate that you allow for your family. 
And that's the deal with Sodom and Gomorrah. So we know about Lot. We know about Abraham. We know about the sin of Sodom. Let's talk about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible said it's such a wicked city. He goes down to Abraham, and I'm simplifying an amazing story in the Bible. And he tells Abraham, I'm going to destroy this city. And the Lord begins to intercede for Sodom. And he says, Lord, would you just spare this city if you could find 50 righteous? Yes. 45? Yes. 40? Yes. 30? Yes. 20? Yes. 10? God says yes. If I can find 10 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the city. But evidently, there were not 10 people in all of that city that were righteous. Probably there was one. Righteous, just Lot. It was just Lot. And God says, I'm not letting it go. The Lord sends two angelic beings. Some people may say a theophany. They, they walk into Sodom and Lot is sitting at the gate. It sounds like he's a man where they conduct business and he sees these two strangers coming in and he says, oh, welcome to Sin City. No, he didn't say that. Welcome to Sodom. Why don't you men come into my house? It's a very hospitable culture and they say, you know, we're going to stay in the streets. And, oh, no, no, no. Do not stay in the street here. Come into my house. Calls them in, feeds them, lodges them. He insists that they not stay outside. But there's a rumor in Sodom. We've heard. There's two men that have come to Sodom. We heard they're over at Lot's house. This is Sodom. You know what happens here. So they go to Lot's house. And they knock on the door. And the Bible says that the men of the city, both old and young, from every neighborhood, every quarter, they came and they surrounded Lot's house. And they demanded that Lot send these two men out to them. This is what the Bible says, New King James Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. And Lot begs against that, doing that. And he says, no, 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 don't do that. He goes outside his house. He stands on the front porch, shuts the door behind them. And he says, do not do this wicked thing to these men. They've trusted in me. They've come to my house. And I feel, you know, an obligation to protect them from the sins of Sodom. And he said, let me tell you what, I'll make a deal with you guys. If you'll leave these two men alone, I've got two daughters. They're virgins. Let me bring them out to you. You can do whatever you want to them. But don't touch these two men who have come to trust under the cover of my roof. What are you thinking? And they said, stand back. We don't want those girls. And this is the most shocking verse maybe of this story. Genesis 19.9. 
They said, stand back. They said, this one, this man Lot, he didn't have to live here. He came to stay here. Other translations say he's a sojourner. He's, a, he's an outsider. He came to stay here. He knew who we were. He knew how we lived. He knew what we did for fun. He came here. It was his choice. And now he's trying to act like a judge. Now he's trying to act like he's so spiritual. And he knows where he is. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. And they pressed against the man lot and came near to break down the door. But the angels grabbed Lot, pulled him in the house, shut the door, struck the men with blindness so that they wearied themselves to find the door. What kind of story is this? Like Lot, you may be a just man, you may be righteous, but you have no credibility here. You're here by choice. And you have nothing to say to us about our sin. Well, wow. So now the angel says to Lot, get your wife, get your girls. Is there anybody else that you can get out of here? We're going to destroy this place. The Lord has sent us here for that. So Lot goes to his sons-in-law, verse 14. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters. Remember, they're still virgins. They're betrothed. And said, get up. Get out of this place. For the Lord will destroy this city. But his sons-in-law, they thought he was joking. They've never heard Lot talk like this. Lot has become a joke to the two men his daughters are going to marry. And when he tells them what God is going to do, it's not that they just don't believe it. They think he's just kidding. That's just what happens to a saint in Sin City. So in the morning, just before dawn, the angels tell Lot, look, get up, get your wife, get your two daughters, and get out of here before you're consumed with the punishment of this city. And the Bible said in Genesis 19, 16, that while Lot lingered, Lot's like, nah, I don't know if we want to go or not. While Lot lingers, the angels grab them. You know, the Bible says some saved by fear, pulling them out of the fire. You may not like judgment preaching, but if it pulls you out of the fire, you better thank God somebody scared the devil out of you. Lot is lingering, and it's like these angelic beings grab Lot. 
They get his daughters. They get his wife. And they pull them out of the house. And they drag them. The Bible doesn't use the word drag. They drag them out of the city. And they say, run for your life. Head for the hills. Get out of here. Escape for your life. Escape to the mountains. And Lot, he sounds like, he sounds like the soft life of Sodom has gotten to him. He sounds really wimpy. He says back to the angels, oh, if I found favor in your sight and you've given me this mercy, I cannot escape to the mountains. Lest some evil overtake me there and I die. Now, there's another city that's not too far away. It's just a little city called Zoar. Is it okay if I go to Zoar? Seriously, Lot. And the angels say, all right, go to Zoar. Get out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Hurry. I can't do anything till you get there. The next morning, the Lord rained fire and brimstone down on Sodom from out of the heavens, and he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants and everything that grew on the ground. Everything died. And then things get worse for Lot's family. They are they're fleeing Sodom. The, the angels say, get out, go. And they give this specific warning. Don't look back. The reason a lot of people go back is because they look back. If the Lord has delivered you from sin, get out of sin city and don't look back so you won't go back. In Hebrews 11, the Bible says that if they would have been mindful of the country out of which they came, they would have had an opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. They're not looking back. They're not going back. But Mrs. Lot misses the malls and whatever. And she looks back. Genesis 19.26 but his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Lots of speculation. Was it the judgment of God? Was it the falling fire and brimstone that she stayed in the area and it fell on her? But Lot loses his wife. Jesus preaches about her in Luke 17 when he tells to get out of Dodge when there's judgment coming. And Jesus just says these three words in our Bible, Luke 17, 32, remember Lot's wife. It's cost him quite a bit to be a saint in Sin City. The Bible says early in the morning, Abraham got up. He's up in the hill country. He looks down and he sees the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. It looks like a furnace of smoke going up in the air. Abraham sees this and God destroys the plain. And he remembers Abraham and the Bible is mainly talking about the blessing of Abraham. And now it's just Lot 
and his two young girls, two daughters. They're old enough to be married, evidently. He now gets out of Zoar. Evidently, he's scared out of his mind. And they go up into the hill country, and they find a cave, and he stays there hiding in a cave. And this is how messed up Lot's daughters are. Genesis 19.30, they went out of Zoar, dwelt in the mountains, and his two daughters were with him, for he was afraid to dwell in Zoar. I would have been afraid to dwell in Zoar. And he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. They're all alone. Their value system is skewed. In their mind, these two traumatized young women are afraid they're never going to marry and have children. So they have a conversation and they make a deal. We're never going to find husbands. And it's not fair for a father to not have kids. So here's what we do. The older says to the younger, let's get our dad drunk. Let's commit incest with him. I'm, I'm kind of trying to keep this at a little high level. And so they get their father drunk. And the first night, the oldest daughter goes in and becomes pregnant with her father's child. The next day, the younger daughter, it's her turn. Dad gets drunk. She spends the night with her father. Incestuous relationship. She becomes pregnant with her father's child. They're not in the Bible as the children of Moab and Ammon who will forever be a thorn in the side of Israel. Costs a lot to be a saint in Sin City. Um, happy Father's Day, right? <laughs> I'm uh, telling you this today because when you make a decision, there's a lot of other decisions that are right behind it. You may just think that you're picking one thing, but you're setting a direction. So are you, are you more like Abraham or are you more like Lot? I believe that mothers set the climate of the home. The Bible speaks of them guiding the home. But fathers set the direction and the culture of a home. Fathers are supposed to determine what is allowed and what is not. Moms can and should make, you know, can make that call, but she shouldn't have to make that call. Fathers should be engaged, vigilant, watchful. The Bible speaks of this. Quit you like men. Be a man. Be watchful. Be on guard. That's what the Bible says that men should be. You can aim your tent toward hell. Or you can aim your tent toward heaven. So fathers today. I want you to remember that your choices. Have consequences. Your choices. Have consequences. And your decisions often affect eternity. You. You may survive. As a saint. In Sin City. But what about your family? What about your wife? What about your kids? 
See, what you tolerate, they will often condone and embrace. Lot is walking around Sodom and Gomorrah, vexed, tormented. He sees all this. He goes home feeling like he needs to take a spiritual bath to wash the filth of Sodom off his life. He doesn't ever cave into their sin. But even the decision to offer the men of Sodom his two daughters just says a lot about how far, how far Lot has fallen. So what are, the, what are going to be the outcomes of the values you're embracing right now as a dad? Where's that going? The things that you're condoning today, where's that going to lead your family? Lot lost his moral compass and lost his moral authority with his community. Remember, they said, you moved here, now you're going to judge us. He lost his moral authority with his, his potential sons-in-law. They thought he was a joke. Somehow he not really gotten good and wrong, right and wrong in his daughter's life. And we see the sin that they committed with their father. And while he remained righteous, he lost everything else to the consequences that started with a single selfish decision. When I was a youth pastor in Jackson, Mississippi, we had a family, a mom and dad and two teenagers that came into the church. The daughter was almost college age. The son was a little younger. We learned that the mom and dad had once been in church years before in an apostolic church. But early in their marriage, they walked away from God. They went out of the church and they raised their son and daughter in the world. They raised them a totally different way. But when their kids started getting older and they, they saw, I guess, the trajectory of their lives... Mom and dad got under conviction. They felt guilty for the way their kids were living. And they came back to the Lord. And both of them were renewed in the Lord. And they started being faithful to church. But it didn't work for the daughter and the son. Because they, I'm making an analogy here. They, they were raised in Sin City. They weren't raised where you got up and went to church on Sunday morning and, and midweek and, and that you controlled what was going on in your home. They were raised in a different environment. And when mom and dad came back to the Lord, daughter and son said, oh boy, that isn't, that's not for me. And they never came around to serve the God that their mom and dad abandoned and then reclaimed in their later teenage years. Things we choose have consequences for a long, long time. Would you please bow your head? The worship team is coming. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name for every father and every mother, for every young adult, for every teenager. For the principles of these passages of scripture do not just apply to men with children. They apply to every one of us today, Lord, about the consequences of choices made. The trajectory that is set, Lord, by a single selfish choice. 
And Lord God, why we, we can rationalize away where we live and how we live and the values we embrace and the choices we make and the conveniences we offer our kids. We are setting and we are determining the eternal destinies of our family. So today I stand in the road of life and I wave a red flag of scripture and I pray that you would arrest our attention and that you would help us, oh God, to save ourselves from this wicked generation. Help us not deceive ourselves that we can be a compromising, sane, and sin city and see our families walk on streets of gold and enjoy pleasures forevermore. Right now, Lord, I pray that you would let every dad in the house, every mom in the house, everyone in this house today make a decision to make an about face if needed or be determined, Lord, to continue going in the right direction. Help us move forward, Lord. Help us not go back. Help us not be like Lot's wife. I pray in Jesus' name that you would give us the courage, Lord, to make right choices. Help us not deceive ourselves into thinking that we can be a sane and sin city without having eternal consequences in our family. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.